John chapter 9. Now spreads the table in my sight, thy unction grace bestoweth. And oh, what transport of delight from thy pure chalice floweth. Man, every psalm sung this morning, every hymn we sang, we're just engulfed with so much doctrine and depth of Christ and his love and mercy. God is good to us, very good to us. John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, our text will be found in verse 4. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. The disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And our text, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much already for enabling us not only to sing praises under your name, but Lord, because Christ has given us an understanding to know the only true and living God, we were able to sing them with true understanding and grace in our hearts. Lord, what a joy it is to lift up praise unto God, not just with our lips, but with our hearts. Lord, as we read in that wonderful, beautiful psalm, you provide so abundantly for us in all things. Your mercies and grace are rich towards us every day. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the unspeakable gift of your Son. We thank you for these words that he said, I must Work the works of him that sent me while it is day, for the night cometh when no man can work. Lord, how I pray that you would enable us this morning to be greatly inspired by those same words, that, Lord, we would desire as thy children to work the works of God as it is day, for night surely cometh in our own life when we shall be gathered to the grave And we cannot work. Help us, dear God, we pray, in this church and those hearing, but especially amongst us here at Reformed Baptist, to see the privilege and the blessings and the honor, Lord, and the obligation we have to work the works of God while it is day. Lord, we love you and thank you so much for all you've given us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It never ceases to amaze me how many divine truths lie yet hidden upon the pages of God's sacred word. Divine truths which have yet to be discovered by God's people, yet always in God's divinely appointed time and when he himself deems it necessary and needful for us to know. I've been saved approximately 40 years and it still amazes me how many divine truths still lie hidden 
upon the pages of God's sacred word. And then in a time when we need them most, God brings those truths to light and feeds us with celestial food. Where streams of living water flow, my ransomed soul he leadeth, and where the verdant pastures grow, with food celestial feedeth. Thou spreadest a table in my sight. Thy unction he leads of my thy unction grace bestoweth. And oh what transport of delight from thy pure chalice cup floweth. It's one thing to study God's word and learn on our own, a knowledge that puffeth up. Yet an infinitely different experience when Christ himself feeds us with food celestial from the verdant pastures of his word. Vast difference. I believe we've all come to understand and know there are times when we study and it's simply of our own. We learn something intellectually. We might even be in some way affected by what we've learned. But when God, when Christ opens up to our heart scripture, there's a huge difference. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures the disciples proclaimed? And beloved, so it is with reading of God's Word. So often we read and we study and we learn and we gain knowledge and we rejoice in that. And yet there are exceptional times when God's Word moves mightily within our hearts and our affections, giving us an illumination of the Spirit of God and it incites our hearts, it inspires us, it changes us. And every true believer knows the difference between those two experiences. Therefore, let us never be content with merely the reading of God's Word, but pray that His Word would burn within our hearts, that we might taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. That psalm was glorious this morning. I, I was just so enraptured by that psalm and all the truths, how God abundantly provides for us, even in the material things of this world. He's good and gracious and merciful. He does and has done and will do so much for us. The question we have this morning in light of our text is, what are we doing for Him? I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Do you sense the urgency in these words of Christ? I must work the works of him while it is day. For night cometh when no man can work. Do you sense the urgency in these words of Christ? And I hope and pray by God's grace that I would be used by Him this morning to inspire all of us here at Reformed Baptist Church and those listening that we would be inspired with the same urgency as that of Christ. For though we know we were saved by grace through faith, 
Yet that grace inspires us and motivates us and excites us to an urgent work for God. There's no greater work than working for God. There's no greater task. There's no greater privilege. There's no greater honor than to be in the work of Christ. And there are three things distinctly about this text this morning that I wish to declare unto you. And I'll spend most of my time on the first point. Hopefully I will get to the latter two briefly. And the first one is the great emphasis Christ Himself puts upon works. He said, I must work. Many shudder from those words, work. Yet Christ said, I must work. Secondly, the urgency in doing such works. He said, I must work while it is day. There was a limit. There was a time. He said, it was pressing while it is day. Why? The night cometh when no man can work. So it's pressing. It's urgent. I must do these works now. And we'll see, hopefully later, not in a frantic way, but in a controlled, motivated way. A desire, I want to do these works because time is limited. Time is limited. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but do you realize that our time in this life is limited? Our life is but brief. We only have a short time to do the works of God that He's ordained for us to do. And so we should have the same urgency as Christ. I must do the works of Him that sent me. As thou sent me into the world, so send I them. May we have the same urgency to do the work of God. And thirdly, the works which we are to urgently exercise are not our works, but God's. Christ says, I must do the works of Him. The works of Him. Even the works we do are not our own, but they are the works of God. That the works of God should be made manifest in Him. Those three things. May the Lord give us much grace and mercy this morning and may we be inspired by these words of Christ. First and foremost, Christ Himself would emphasize the great importance of works. I must work. Now, I know there are many people who profess to be Christians, especially those who embrace the doctrines of grace, who sometimes are greatly confused and troubled by the word works in Scripture. Because man has mixed grace and works in such a way together that they are unbiblical, many times people, especially those who embrace the doctrines of grace, shudder and are fearful of anything when it comes to works. Yet I want you to hear clearly the words of Christ. Christ Himself says, I must work the works of Him that sent me. Throughout His earthly ministry, Christ often expressed the great significance and importance of His works and how those works evidenced not only His coming from the Father, listen to me, not only the His coming from the Father, but also His being one with Him. Now this is important to understand because I want to apply these words to us. Even though Christ 
in referencing these words or speaking directly about himself and the short time he had before his crucifixion, I believe these words were spoken to benefit us as well, to instruct us as well. So Christ said, works evidence not only his coming from the Father, but also his being one with him. So we may apply that same biblical principle to ourselves regarding works. In John chapter 5, verse 36, our Lord said uh, this. Let's turn there. I want you to read these verses. John 5, 36. Now listen to the words of Christ. John 5, 36. But I have greater witness, you see, greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Now here speaks Christ, the Son of God, who could have spoken words, and we'll see that in a few minutes, he even bore the testimony that no man ever spake like this man. But here he says, my greater witness is that the works that I do, they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. You see the importance he puts on works and the evidence of those works bearing witness to the world that the Father sent him. Apply that as well to us as we go through this sermon this morning. Look over in John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 37. Listen to what he says here. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. That's an amazing scripture. That, that echoes or complements the book of James. You can't say you have faith and no work. The Lord, the Lord says here, I, I, if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. Christ tells them, if I'm not doing the works of my don't even believe me. Listen to it, though. Watch what he says here. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works. That ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. His works would bear witness that the Father is in him and he is in the Father proves his oneness with the Father. He said, therefore, if you believe, even if you don't believe me, believe the works that I do. Again, echoes James, doesn't it? Look over in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. Again, our Lord says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Now watch. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Or else, believe me for the very works sake. Amazing, isn't it? Three scriptures where Christ says, my works bear witness to the Father sending me, but also bears witness to me being one with the Father. Now, all these things are in reference to Christ directly, yes, but they're also implied towards believers. 
If you love one another as I've loved you, the world shall know you're my disciples. James puts it even in a clearer picture, the whole book, or most of the book, when he states that if you say you have faith and have not works, your faith is dead, because your faith is evidence or manifested by your works. So you see, our works do play an important role in proving to the world that the Father has sent us, or Christ has sent us, and that we are one with Christ. I believe we must humbly confess as Christians we love and enjoy doing acts of benevolence for others. Do we not? If you're, if you're a Christian, you, you've got to bear witness with that. You love doing acts of benevolence for others. You love to help somebody else. We go out of our way to assist and help somebody else. We want to be working in helping and benefiting one another. It's a principle even Christ said that <coughs> Excuse me. every Christian should practice. Do good unto all men, remember? We enjoy that. <clears throat> but it's when we do the works of God that we get the greatest blessings and comforts and peace and joy. Doing the works of God for His honor and for His glory. Now here's a marvelous thing. For though Christ had the testimony, like I said, that no man spoke like this man, John chapter 7, and he himself even declared that the words he spoke were spirit and life, I mean, you would think the words of Christ would be sufficient for people to believe. We say the gospel is the power of God, because it is. Romans chapter 1 declares that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. So we believe that the preaching of the gospel has the power, and yet even Christ, as he walked amongst men, said... Even my works, though, are important to manifest and evidence to the world that I am from the Father and that the Father is in me. If you don't believe me, believe the very works. James says the same thing. If you don't believe my faith, then look at my works. Believe the works. I must work, he said. I must work. Luke chapter 2, when he was absent from his family. Remember when he was younger and they left him in the temple and they lost him as they traveled home. They went back. They kind of scolded him for, uh, for uh, uh, staying behind. He said, I must be about my father's business. These words should echo in everything we do for Christ. I must be about my father's, my savior's business. There was always in Christ, as he walked amongst men, a great urgency, not uncontrolled and fanatic or frantic, but motivated by his great love for the Father and his desire to glorify him by finishing his works to be about his Father's works or business. There was always an urgency about that. All these verses proclaim that and declare that. He always had an urgency about being about the Father's business. An urgency that we, I need to do the work of the Father while it is day. Because the night cometh when no man can work. And like I said, there's always been a great confusion amongst those who profess to know Christ about the place and or divine purpose of works in the life of the believer. 
I'm not talking about works for salvation. I'm not talking about that. I don't want to go off into that tangent. I'm not talking about works for salvation or works of righteousness. I'm talking about works after we've been regenerated. I'm talking about doing the work of God after we've received grace imparted to our hearts. I'm talking about the place of works in the life of a believer. There are many believers who believe there's no place for that in the life of the believer. It's as though the grace of God wrought within the heart immediately eliminates or does away with any need or urgency for works within the life of the believer. Christ proves that wrong in our text. I must work. And I believe this is where a lot of Christians have failed in our service for Christ because we're loitering, we're lazy, we're slothful, we're indifferent, we're complacent. We don't sense the urgency of working for God while we have yet light in our lives, while we're yet living. I wish I could say that I understood and grasped this divine truth 40 years ago, but I didn't. But I'm telling you now, approaching the end of my own life, I'm telling you, the day is not long. Night is coming. We must have the same urgency Christ does. Not out of an uncontrolled or frantic desire, but motivated by our love for Christ and our desire to see Him glorified. We must, we should be about our Savior's work. James, I've mentioned before, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Do you see the emphasis that James and our Lord puts upon not only works, but what they manifest if they are truly the works of God that we're doing? They manifest and show the world that we're truly from Christ and that we are in Christ and He is in us. I'm afraid if many Christians say, hey, if you don't believe me, just watch the way I live, like James proclaims, that they would fall short. Because people say, well, your, your works, your life, doesn't show me anything that you have faith in God, or doesn't show me anything about you being one with Christ. Listen to the words of Christ. I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. I must. There wasn't very many times the Lord said, I must. This is one of them. True faith is not evidenced by a man's words, but by his works, they being of God, which proves or manifests his faith to be in God. That's the whole purpose of James, and also the Lord saying even here, and I'm, it's, it's amazing that the Son of God, the Son of God would say, if you believe not me, I'm the Son of God. God manifested in the flesh. I spoke like no other man spoke. The words I speak, they're spirit and they're life. I speak great swelling words. I can, I can convince you with my words. Christ didn't say that. Christ said, if you don't believe me, believe my very works. Does that not prove to us the significance and importance of how works manifest to the world, not only that we're from Christ, but Christ is in us and we in Christ. Paul himself declared in 1 Corinthians 15.10 these, these words, By the grace of God I am what I am, 
and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Now that's an amazing statement. What do you mean it's not in vain? Paul said it wasn't for nothing. But his, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored. That's a hard word. I labored more abundantly than they all, than all who, than all the other disciples and apostles. I labored. I labored. He says, more abundantly than they all. And then he says, wait a minute, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Paul doesn't separate the fact that he labored, but he doesn't attribute his labor to himself, but to the grace of God. The grace of God inspired and motivated him to labor. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. Especially for those Christians who say, and I question whether they're Christians or not, who say, oh, you don't have to worry about grace. We can just let go and let God. God's done everything. There's no place for works in the Christian life because it's all of grace. There's no need. I'm not talking about working to please God or get His approval. I'm talking about working because of God's grace. If we truly have grace imparted, we will work. And I think sometimes in our lives as believers, we've let that lie dormant. We've become slothful and complacent. And I'm hoping and praying this morning that we would be inspired by the words of Christ, that we would pray that God would inspire us to such urgency as Christ. Reminding us that our day, light is but a short time. And when night cometh, we have no more possibilities to work. So work now. We are His workmanship, Paul said in Ephesians 2, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I must work, Christ said. If Christ Himself must work, how much more we? And again, this wasn't from constraint. Or pressure. It was a desire. Those words, I must work, was his inward longing. I have meat to eat that you know not of. My meat is to do and finish the work which he gave me to do. It was something which drove him spiritually as well as physically, but drove him. He desired to do it. I must work is not from constraint or pressure. It's because I want to. I'm driven to. I desire to. I desire nothing more than to work, so I must work. When I'm working in the nursing home, and this last week is pretty warm. <laughs> this next week's going to be warm too. But... Um, one of, the, one of the escapes they have, I call it that, in the nursing home, because they're limited to their rooms, is when they can go into the backyard, port, the porch, and we laid recently, last year, walkway around and everything. But anyway, I do my best, with the help of others, I do my best to make that back area pretty. I've, I've planted flowers, and I've laid mulch, and I've, you know, there's a water, a bird, a water fountain back there for the birds, and I put up these little, all these little things, but it's an oasis for them. And, and my greatest joy is when they come out and they, they, they feel so pleasant and well and good there. It's joy. Doing works for God is much better than that. You don't really look for applause. You're just, you get satisfaction in the enjoyment of their faces. 
when the people that are alone in that nursing home and confined to four walls, when they say, you know, when I go outside, I feel so much better. It's, it's peaceful and I enjoy it. And blesses my soul. It's, it's, you're not looking for anything but that. And for the child of God, there's nothing more blessed than the smile of God's face upon us doing work for Him. We do not want our right hand to know what our left hand does. We do it to be seen of God and for His honor and for His glory because it enriches our souls. <sighs> we know we can never, ever repay the debt we owe to Christ. Ever. Could never, ever repay it. But oh, if we could just do His works while it is day. There's nothing more pleasant and joyful for the child of God than to do than to do or be in the work of Christ. Whether that's being benevolent to others, whether that's doing good unto all men, whether that's preaching the gospel, whether it's helping the poor, all those things. Many churches have got those things so out of balance. Some churches are just so afraid of doing things benevolently for the world that they think, oh, you don't, you don't want to just do that. You've got to give them the gospel too, and we all know that, but they throw that in an array. If there's nothing wrong with the church reaching out and being benevolent to this lost and dying world, helping those who are in need. The Lord himself said, forget not the poor. These are works we desire and long to do because of God, because of the work of grace in our hearts. We labor like Paul said, yet it's the grace of God that motivates us to labor. So I say, if Christ himself must work, how much more we? Yet I fear there exists a great spirit of complacency and indifference regarding the believers working the works of him who sent us. May God inspire us to ever be urgent and fervent in his works. For as the Father sent Christ in the world, even so Christ, he said in John 20, sends us. As the Father sent him, so he sends us. Same, same motive, same attitude. Same. So may we learn from Christ's words, I must work. May we sense that same urgency and desire to have that same fervency. And secondly, quickly, very quickly, like I said, these last two points I will be very brief with. The first one I wanted to spend most of Secondly, the urgency of this work. And this is something I really want to impress upon us this morning. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. In other words, he sets a time on it. He's saying, I can only do these works so long. Why? Because the night cometh when no man can work. Though Christ is directly referring to his own brief time yet upon the earth before he would be crucified, yet they should also greatly impress our own hearts with the same urgency to work the works of him that sent us while we are yet in our time of day. For our night, death, is coming. When we can no longer work. And isn't there no greater work for us to be about while it is day than God's work? Stay with me for three passages of Scripture. I want you to see, read these. The urgency of this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is the next book we'll be reading during uh, uh, our prayer meetings. So, Brother Greg, be ready. Ecclesiastes. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10. 
This is the wisdom of the preacher. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there's no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. It's wisdom. Do it with your might. Because when night comes, there's no working. There's no device. You say, well, it'll all be over with then, and that'll all be with Christ, and so that, that satisfies me. No, no. We want to work while God has given us day. Look over in Psalm chapter 88. Psalms chapter 88. In verse 10 and 12. 10 to 12. Listen to the psalmist. Wilt thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? Selah. Shall thy loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or thy faithfulness in, dis in destruction? Shall thy wonders be known in the dark? And thy righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? In other words, the psalmist is saying, when I'm dead, I can't proclaim all these things. Yes, we're with Christ, but I want to proclaim all these things while I'm alive, while I'm living. I want to tell the world of your goodness and your faithfulness and your love and your mercy and your grace. I want to declare it to the whole world. I can only do that while I'm living, while it's daylight. I can't do that in the grave. There's something about us wanting and willing and desiring to glorify God Why we're living in this brief life that inspires the believer. Yes, we look forward to the day when we shall ever be with Christ. Yet at the same time, we say, Lord, while I have breath, let, while I have breath, while my heart beats, let me glorify your name by proclaiming your goodness, mercy, and grace to the lost and dying world. Let me do thy works. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Look at Isaiah chapter 38. Isaiah chapter 38. In verse 18. And 19. Now listen to this. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. Time is short. It's brief. We're here but a moment. Amen? A vapor. We have a short time. And oh, the child of God in that short time, in that short light of day, wants to bring praises to God and sing forth His praises. We get too wrapped up with the affairs of this life and just as guilty as the next. We spend so much time on preparing and providing for this present life, we forget about doing the work of God. May we have that same urgency. And finally, in John chapter 9, like I said, these last two would be brief, and I hope and pray that you'll go home and expound even more on them. Lastly, the works that we're doing are not our own, but they're the works of God. Listen to verse 4 again. I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. I must work. What kind of work? The works of him. The works of him. You see, the works that we do, are not only motivated and inspired and enabled by grace, but they're God's works. Go back to verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God 
should be made manifest in him, that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him. It's God's works. You see, when it's all said and done, a true believer, when he's done or when he's doing the works of God, he sees them nothing as his own. But all of God's. It's God's work. He give God the praise. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Work it out. Work it out with your own with fear and trembling. For it is God that worketh in you, both the will and to do His good pleasure. Even though there are the works of God, God attributes us to doing them. It's an amazing mystery. It's not our works; it's His. That's what makes us so joyful and rejoicing in them. That's why we're so happy and glad and. and and joyful in doing his works. You know, we've, we hear a lot in history about great men and women of God who've done great things for the Lord, but I'm, I guarantee you there are countless people that we've never heard about, we've never read about, we never know about, that we won't know till we stand before God and realize people had done things for Christ the world never knew. Just like that woman who threw in that one mite that was all her living. Nobody noticed but Christ. It's not who recognizes us. It's not trying to seek acknowledgement or applause from men. It's simply doing the work of God. And when people begin to doubt our faith, people begin to doubt what we believe and what we profess, then may God give us grace to show them the works that they might know and believe. Christ has sent us and that we are in Christ and that he is in us. May these words echo through our hearts and our minds through the coming days. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, while I'm living, while God provides breath for me to breathe and a voice for me to proclaim and hands to do his work while it is day. Why? My night cometh when I cannot work. May God give us grace to have the same urgency and desire and longing as that of Christ in this fourth verse, John chapter 9. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much. Lord, we're so humbled, greatly humbled by the fact that you would even save us by your grace. But yet, Lord, that you would also call us to do your works. You even said in the Gospel of John that we shall do greater works than you because you go unto the Father. Lord, help us to know and experience the urgency of these words of Christ in our own heart. May we look upon a dying world. People are dying and going to hell without Christ. Lord, may we look upon them and may we with Christ say, I must work the works of him that sent me. In the midst of God manifesting his works in this blind man born from death, from birth, the Lord expressed his fervent desire to do the works of God on this day. Lord, help us, Lord God, I pray, to have that same urgency in our hearts. May we be motivated by your grace and not by any other thing. And Lord, when all is said and done, may we give you all the honor and glory for everything. For you are truly worthy of all our praise. Thank you so much. Help us, inspire us in these latter days. 
Lord, we love you and thank you for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.